Welcome to the eighth episode of Born in Trouble. I'm your host, John X. Once again, clapping for myself. Thank you. I made it another week. I made it another week. Not the the first time you've sort of given yourself the clap. Oh. And Rob gets the laugh track right away. Starts right away with the laugh track. From New Jersey, Mr. Robert Brooks, the funny man himself. Was I I telling on you? I'm sorry. The funny man himself. And we know what it is. (laughs) And from Detroit, Michigan, home of City Wings. 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. Come down to get you some. Come get you some. Mr. Ramanak Mubarak himself. Mr. Grant Lancaster. What up, dog? What it be like? What it be like, fellas? Welcome on this Thursday evening. No low energy evening. Extra energy evening. Yes. Yeah, we got, you, you, you seem, you seem uh, damn near giddy, bro. Yeah, I'm, I'm back to normal. It's like, now it's like... Last week was like was the first day I started to feel better, and progressively you get your strength back, and things start to really kick in there. So I've been like my normal self for probably about the last like seventy two hours, doing push ups when I walk downstairs, sit ups, leg lifts. You know, you that's what I do. Taking I just your in your himbe. What was that? Taking your maca in your himbe in your your himbe. In my himbe, yes, yes. Yes, well, yes, my himbe. Keeping everything 100. But fellas, man, tonight, I we're going to have a very interesting conversation. We're going to deviate from the norm. Well, actually, every week I think we deviate from the norm and we talk about the different things. But I was having a conversation earlier today and someone put up something called the Human Depravity Doctrine. Have you ever heard of the Human Depravity Doctrine? The thought process or the philosophy that this is. It's actually pretty deep. It's so deep that I actually went up and I grabbed my other laptop there, which is back in rotation. And I had to pull up some notes on this because it's generally what what the human depravity doctrine is. Basically, the whole concept is basically men, mankind, humankind is naturally depraved and that the only thing that can really save man from its depravity is religion an act of God an act of faith things of this nature because what happens is that humans are naturally so depraved that no matter what you do in life no matter what they do they're always going to do the wrong thing Man's always going to do the wrong thing. There's always going to be war, no matter how much. And this is something that they have, um, going back to, they've been debating since the ages of the Greeks, which means that it was probably debated before then in Africa and Alexandria. But, or maybe it started with the Greeks because, like, the depravity process, and we can actually get into that a little bit, too. But the, the thought process was that with all of the science and technology and the good things and all of the natural, the things that we aspire to as humans, that you can't stop man from raping, pillaging, stealing, thieving, all of these things, no matter how many 
um, lessons you might get or you might read that you might learn about, no matter what happens, man is always going to skew towards the wrong thing. But I'm going to start with you, Grant. What do you feel? Do you feel like that's a, a strong statement? I mean, considering especially you look at the world today, we've got this war in Russia and Ukraine, for example. Technically, one of the reasons why Putin felt like he should go into Ukraine is he called Ukrainians Russians with accents. They're supposedly the same people. But then what happens is Russia goes and invades this country, their cousins, their brothers, whatever, and you have all these um, reports of atrocities that are happening between these people that are essentially cousins. Right. So... There, there's a, there's some truth in that statement, in my, in my opinion. I don't think that, um, I don't think that man can escape what's naturally there. And let me not say what's naturally there. Man cannot escape the programming. So what we have is behavior, and then reward or punishment right so as you grow up you know you exhibit whatever behavior and you either get reward or you get punished well some people get punished for doing bad shit some people get rewarded for doing bad shit and the reward may not be you know just an out and out reward but in the end it may turn out to be it may turn out to work out for them you know what I mean? It's not that somebody gives you a reward for doing something off the chain, but in that off the chain, this you may circle into a reward, right? right? So yeah. I can believe that statement has some has some truth in it, that or that that uh, doctrine has some truth in it, because there's it's just too. If you just look at our society, there's too much. Uh, there's a lot of depravity in our in our society just on on a day-to-day basis mm. you know um the things that we worship we don't worship we don't worship god for for the most part we don't worship god we worship money we worship things we worship celebrities you know what i mean like we worship vehicles we worship everything except god so and then everything you know when when you up and riding high god is god is great but then as soon as something happens to you, you know, it's all doom and gloom and God in, in, in people's mind, God is nowhere to be found. So I don't I don't think that I don't think that we can escape who we have become. Well, that's a that's a part of the doctrine is that as enlightened beings are supposedly the most enlightened beings on this earth. With an understanding, and we're the only things that apparently that we could understand, you know, who knows what dolphins think or other higher level thinking like mammals, their thought processes. But the thought process is that despite all of the things that we are supposedly able to overcome, our base nature is still going to be going to skew to the worst possible elements. And that religion is the only thing that can possibly save us, but despite science, math, all this other stuff, nothing is ever going to happen. And one of the things, one of the arguments based in this doctrine is it points out the fact that every animal in nature, 
runs away from its own death or they're doing things to basically just survive you know you look at animals in the wild they don't go out and they don't try to kill a pack of lions doesn't go out and just try to kill every group of um, antelope that it sees roaming on the plane just because it can you know it eats when it's hungry it doesn't go beyond that but as men and as women as a civilization we don't do that we will actually do all of these different things that don't make sense in nature Rob, spiritually, do you think that there's a connection or that there's something that can be done spiritually? What do you think about this? It's it's an interesting doctrine that, you know, the, that man is can only follow his base instincts without, you know, the only way he they, they can stop is with divine intervention. Uh, and you can look you could you could look at divine intervention as a couple. You can call it a couple of different things. But I think part of the purpose here on this planet is to evolve, is for us to evolve into, into higher beings. And so I think you have all levels of evolution here. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing those who are, who are fairly uninvolved and who do lots of things that aren't necessary for survival. Like the closer you get to evolving out of here, the less you need, the less you want for sure, and the less you need. Like the needs are very small for evolved beings. It's survival. Mm. You know, it's happiness. It's a realization that everything, everything and everyone is interconnected. You know, it's believing in the holistic system. But you'll see a lot of people who are outside of the system. And, you know, you, we can start talking about, you know, we have get, get Winston on the phone and, and, and start talking about some of these, um, some of the propaganda tools that they're using, that people believe they're using against us, like the television, mm. like the Internet, uh, and implanting these seeds to try to keep people in this state and prevent people from evolving further. That's an interesting concept. One thing um, that, I found, that I always found interesting in my studies of um, African-American studies, I remember when I was in college, I was in a class, and we were having a debate about the great civilizations of Ghana, Mali, and Songhai, and how those concepts, at that point in time, Shaka Zulu was actually being, it was actually... Um, about to be shown it was like the following year that Chaka Zulu came out this is in my freshman year of school and the conversation was about how they had wars and how their wars weren't the same wars that the that the Europeans have waged over years you know there wasn't the the barbaric killing that came it was more of a show of numbers it was more of a show than it was about the actual war or the factors of the war. And even going further, as Europeans came into Africa, um, what they saw was that the, these people in these great civilizations with all these, with all these natural resources of gold and um, copper and things of that nature, the plotting began almost immediately as they saw these resources because it was like widely reported that the richest man on the earth was the African king, was an African king. I believe it was in um, Mali, I'm not sure, but I think Mansa Musa. And because of the amount of gold that they had had and that they had. But the thing was that the African continent, those countries in that continent, they weren't interested in going out and conquering other places as per their nature. It wasn't something that was like that they were outwardly interested in. Which is why you fast forward to now, and every country in Africa has cut up, is basically owned 
by some type of European industry or American industry. We have consistent wars. We talk, we talk about a war in Ukraine and Russia, but there are consistent wars in Africa over the resources. And it's not, and the one thing that they want to make sure of is that the natives, the actual owners of those resources, never actually get to touch them, never get to exploit them and use them in the same manner that they have been used over the years. And when you consider that most of these things are done under the guise of religion, missionary work, the two of them, even those two things, that the simple idea, they conflate, those ideas have been conflated. So now, the depravity doctrine will allow you to do such things as um, if you're King Leopold, kill millions of Africans, natives, who basically would give you everything if you just ask them nicely. It's not concepts. These are not concepts. So the depravity doctrine, it's like it rules us now. And, you know, you look at what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. I mean, look at that. There are reports of, like, women that have been kept in one place by Russian soldiers and basically bred and now sent back to Russia. Sent back to Russia. They may never see Ukraine again for as long as they live. There's nothing more barbaric than that. You want to destroy a nation, destroy its women. You know, that's the easiest way to cut the legs out of a nation, cut the legs off its women. These are the systems that we live in, and these are the systems that we wish to sometimes emulate. And, like, my point in one of my points in doing this show was basically to show that a lot of this stuff is just really just wrong. Just really just wrong from, from a humanistic state. And that's the reason why I found it so interesting, this whole human depravity doctrine that came up today. Because I, I just felt like it was something that I wanted to get your opinions on it. So <clears throat> let's kind of kind of rewind a little bit. So if you go back to when uh, in ancient civilizations, when black people were the, the number, the dominant people on the planet, Right. Um, I'm sure that there was some some element of this human depravity going on. There, there had to be because as per people. nature. Right. Um, but. From everything that I've heard and read, by and large, it was a much more harmonious, it kind of in tune with nature, taking what you taking what you need, not, you know, being greedy. Um and then all of a sudden, colonizers came and determined that diamonds, which black people were, you know, I mean, there were diamonds, gold, oil, all the nutrients and everything that's on, on Africa's continent. Black people were just walking by this shit like, okay, oh, that's something shiny over there. You right. know what I mean? But no biggie. But then somebody determined that there was value in that shiny object. Right. So the introduction of a concept of wealth, of, of wealth becoming like kind of an equalizer, mm. I think that's really where the depravity begins to kind of fester and grow at, into a thing that into what it is kind of now. You know right. what I mean? Like right now, the, the, the pursuit of wealth 
the pursuit of wealth is what drives everything. And the more that people pursue wealth, the worse they act, by and large. You know, not everyone. It's never everyone. But by and large, if I think I can get over, I'm going to try to get over. That's pretty much how we are, you know. Without a doubt. Rob, you have anything else you'd like to add to the conversation? Uh, I, 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 let me make sure that I don't botch this terribly. But, you know, as Grant said, once you introduce the concept of wealth and people building wealth, the bad behavior doubles, triples, and quadruples because the, the American economy is built on subjugating another people for the purpose of wealth, of obtaining wealth. British exploration is all about wealth. The Crusades, while masked in, while masked in uh, religion, is about amassing wealth. You know, yes, they, you know, yes, they subjugated the people who didn't believe the same thing they did, but they also took all the gold too. They made sure they got the gold too. They didn't just get the non-believers; they got the gold too. Right. Mm-hmm. right. And so, I mean, this pursuit of this shiny object has really sent the world to hell, and it's. I mean, it shows up in the law of unintended consequences. Um, you know, in building cities, we've created people who are further away from the land. Indians, the native people who owned this, who lived here in this continent, didn't believe that anybody could own the land. You were just stewards of the land for the moment that you were here, and you were supposed to protect it and pass it on to the next person who was there. And then these Europeans come in with their concept of ownership. And passing it from one person to the next, sole sole proprietorship of the land, which is fairly preposterous, mm-hmm. but you know that then drives this whole other thing. Like it's it gets so interconnected. The the Enquirer, which is the the Philadelphia newspaper, or I should say, the surviving Philadelphia newspaper these days, <laughs> um, has been doing a series about just how, based off of what happened. Um, uh, in Minneapolis and the Black Lives Matter movement based on how some of these systems came to shape and design the city as we know it. And so the last episode that they did in this series was about how racial covenants shaped the modern suburbs. Mm-hmm. Mm. And once again, you had this concept of ownership of something that really nobody should own. Mm. Uh, and then who gets to own it and where. And that a hundred years down the line has massive consequences. Yes. You know, the British monarchy and all of their wealth. You know, and they're not what they used to be. I mean they they have direct descendants who are hell who are genuine hellraisers. Yes. And they're not now. They're not. They're just protecting their wealth now. Right. You know, they're just figureheads. But that that legacy and until people, I keep hearing all this, all these people talking about overcorrection, whatever, it can't be an overcorrection. Like, until you admit what the damage is, what the legacy is, and how that legacy impacts, how that legacy created what we have today, you're just going to keep doing it, and you're going to stay on that same hamster wheel. Mm. There's a lack of elevation that goes along with that lack of acceptance and that lack of admittance. There's a definite, like, uh, holding yourself back. Like, you know, one thing that me personally, I always, like, was equal parts amused and disgusted whenever I would meet a racist. 
And the disgusting part is like usually about whatever it is that they say or or act upon that's like really deplorable. You know, in their actions, whether it be calling someone out of their name, throwing rocks, or attempting or attempting to like jump or do worse to a person. But the funny part about it has always been there. This it takes like such a level of ignorance and like shutting off of intelligence that I just automatically knew that that person was like less than me. Automatically, so it's like that's the feeling that you get that I would get. Of being over someone It's a mental superiority And everything And I'm not afraid to say it I'm not afraid to put it out there Because of the fact that It's really stupid Anything that's that's based upon racism Is really, really, really stupid You know, it really is It will hold you back It will stop you because it, And it works always Because you automatically You see a person And you automatically judge a person based upon their experiences. And we've talked about this before. Naturally, in your brain, you're trained. We're all trained, the people that look like us, to be less on guard than we would be for people who don't look like us. It's bone structure. It's features. It's things that your brain brain has generationally picked up on. That's nature. So I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is after that fact. You know, what is it those interactions are with those people and everything that could either hinder or help you. And a lot of times it's like a hindrance and it's all based upon this system of collecting money and things and ownership and power. You know, people are so happy about this Elon Musk Twitter thing. There's like a whole bunch of people that are lined up that are extremely happy at Elon Musk taking over Twitter because they think that it means that it's going to allow for them to basically get on Twitter and start bullying people again, start calling people names and all types of stuff. And they're like, they're like literally giddy about the shit. And it is like so low vibrational because when you think about it, it's like you've been, it's been almost six months to a year. I can't imagine what it would be like for like, you know, a year. Just be waking up every day mad because I couldn't call somebody a fucking asshole. You know, I, I I just don't know what that's like. What is that what is that feeling like when you need to attack people? Well to well, make I mean the, but the question really is what is that feeling like when you've had an unlimited run of the planet and now somebody puts a leash on you? But and that's what right. they're you know well, even that unlimited the funny run of- part about that is, is Go ahead. the funny part is like they, you know, they act like they're being deprived of something, not realizing that like, OK, you had this unfettered run like you weren't competing against the whole planet. You were only competing against this very small group. And now you're mad that this other group is getting to compete. Like, if you're as brilliant as you say you are, if you truly are the master race, then you should just keep beating people anyway. <laughs> you know, you're lazy, fat. You're lazy, right. fat ass. Going to smoke Marlboros and fucking sit and drink Budweiser. Yeah. And wonder why you keep getting beat. Right. But and it's completely and totally counter to the things that they're told that they are that you are. You are superior and everything, but superiority reads more books. It's like someone said to me online, it was like, um, it said something, it used something like, it was like a really bad usage of your or your, and I was like, my comment was like, basically like, yeah, I'm, I'm really concerned about you with your grammar. And then he said something else in his next sentence that was like even worse grammatically and everything. And 
then like as a as a double down and the statement was like you know just because you have a degree doesn't mean that you're like you know smarter than everybody else and everything you know but yeah but if you're going to be calling people if you're going to be arguing with people online you should be understandable but that's part of that whole that's part of that whole like i don't have to do the work it's up to me to it's up to you to decipher what i'm saying to you it's not up to me to actually be clear and concise with it the first time so now it's like they're making now everybody can be a scholar you know, we we're all scholars. You know, in, in, in interpretation. In these, days, in these days, my ignorance is as good as your knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got, I got, you know, I got a hundred thousand followers, just like you got a hundred thousand followers. I don't know shit. You know everything, but we got the same amount of followers. You see what I'm saying? So, so I don't have to be in 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 this society. I don't have to be what I claim to be. I just have to claim to be it. You feel mm. it, I, I don't have to have anything behind it. So this, you know, in, t- in, in terms of, in terms of, uh, like, how do we get out of it, though? You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the, the, the question. Well, the question. And if I, if I had, Go ahead. if I had my druthers, I would say, stop wanting shit. You know what I mean? If you could find a way to stop wanting shit, right? Like, if you don't want, if you don't necessarily, I mean, you know, we all have basic needs, food, clothing, shelter, whatever. But if you don't want the Versace, if you don't want the Chanel, if you don't want the new car, you know what I'm saying, necessarily, if you don't want what they're selling, because once you start buying, you buying in. Every time you make a purchase, you buying in. You know what I mean? Like, there are certain things that you just have to buy. You know what I mean? Certain things you have to purchase. But, I mean, you could grow vegetables. Like, you don't have... You can... There's ways that you could get around being a part of the system. But nobody wants to be outside of the system. You know, it's like in the Mac. My man said, we got to build our own society within, but without white America. You know? That's what we need. And we could and we could get back to being that spiritual being, being less depraved. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm sure there's going to be some, but we could get back to being what we originally were. And like Rob said, this would be a good time that Winston would come in here with a lot of his, you know, hermetic teachings and truth. Oh yeah, right. And, but you know, how many places have outlawed growing your own food? And they say they they try to put do it under the guise of well, there's no inspection of that. There's no way to ensure this. Well, they're not inspecting the food that they're that they're selling us now, right? But that's just to disconnect us from our soul, right? To keep us, you know, in this haze to, to keep right. feeding us the poisons to keep the mind control going to untether us from the earth, to yeah. untether us from our spirituality. I, 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 I like that. I like that phrase. Yeah. Well, that's the second part of the human depravity doctrine, which is that basically spirituality is like plays a large part in it, or the lack of spirituality. You know, because no matter how many people, I mean, let's be honest, we've had the Crusades, or you know, um, the Crusades, for example, is a holy war, and that's a war that's based upon supposedly the word of God. The God said, "Go out and fight the Muslims for these holy lands," and oh yeah, this gold too. 
you know, and oh yeah, this city at the same time, and oh yeah, yeah while you're there, while you're there, and then also like you know, even though it's like you're supposed to be chased men, you know, just remember that when you conquer these people, these people are savages. So what you do with their bodies and what you do to them. It doesn't matter. God doesn't look at them the same way that he looks at at you creatures because you creatures are within the Holy Bible or within the Holy Quran in this case, in the other case, just for a devil's advocate because it's like it's both sides. You know, suppose there's two sides to a war. So it's like, and to the victors go the spoils. The spoils. The spoils. And part of those spoils is getting to rewrite the history. Yes. Ah. Getting to change the history and to rewrite the history so that it reflects your point of view for everyone moving forward. More than everything else. So, yeah, so, you know, the doctrine is pretty much the doctrine of humanity, the depravity doctrine. It's something that drives us all. And whether or not we know it or acknowledge it, it's your morals, it's your basic systems that we're all disconnected from now because now we're getting all of our morals and our systems from the Internet. They tell us what to think. You know, here's the part of it that I think maybe, like, here's the, the, the pushback. There's always a pushback or an exception to the rule. Like, the depravity doctrine is such that without divine interference, people are always going to go back to their basis nature. Right. But would as many people go back to their basis nature if we didn't have the level of programming that we do now, if we didn't have the disconnection that we do now? Like it would be interesting. It would be interesting to look at societies where you don't have this, the structure that we have in your it's, face. The ownership, the ownership, the programming with video, the programming with audio, and when you had people who were living off the land. And if you had the same levels of depravity in those systems as you do here, a lot of the depravity in these systems, in our, the systems that we survive within, is caused by want and desire. Right. It's caused by it's caused by you have and I don't, you know. Mm-hmm. It's caused by a false longing for more and a limit for, for more, essentially of shit that we don't need. Right. So I wonder if, without the programming, if the level of depravity would be the same. Well, part of the whole argument with the whole Elon Musk thing is, you know, the reason why I'm I'm bringing that up is because it's one individual who's taking. Like massive amounts of the of this fake um, concept of money, and utilizing it to um, to gain more control over more people, more masses, what their messages are. Any way you slice it, it's like now he's the arbiter of what is. He's going to be the arbiter of what gets said, what doesn't get said in certain circles. But, but here's, here's the thing that I don't understand in this argument, and I get it. You know. Elon Musk, what is it, $44 billion for, um, mm-hmm. for Twitter. Um, there are 8 billion people on the planet. You know, if he wanted to make the world a better place, he could have just given every citizen in the world a billion dollars. <laughs> right. And, you know, his billionaire friends would have been mad at him. But, you know, they, that, would be, that would be an interesting way to, to create some chaos and see what came of it. But give everybody resources. Um, but we act like Twitter is indispensable. Right. All of the argu- all of the argument around this acts like Twitter is indispensable and that Twitter has become like electricity, like we need it to get the lights on. Nobody needs Twitter. Right. 
if Twitter if Twitter if Twitter disappears tomorrow, people will find another way to communicate. We'll find another digital uh, town square in which to, to vent and share chocolate chip cookie recipes and to call each other. <laughs> right. Right. And to show and to show each other racks of lamb. You know, that we've actually yeah. made. Like, that's, a, yeah. it's funny you, you would say that because that was my thought too. Because really, if you really want to devalue Twitter, just don't go on that shit. You really, you, there's not, it's not necessary for us to go on Twitter every day and have conversations. Like, hell, I did it for most of my adult life not going on Twitter. And I was discussing that today. I was like, I joined Twitter like probably maybe seven or eight years ago. I had no, like, people would send me like invitations to Twitter that I knew from like Facebook or whatever. And I wouldn't answer them because it's like, you know, I wouldn't even answer it. I wouldn't even answer because I'm like, I'm not on Twitter. I'm here to get, like, NBA updates, breaking, like, news from the NBA. That's what I, that was the extent from my Twitter. So when people say this guy is on here saying something different, if you didn't take that shit and put it on the news show, on television, and play it four times every hour, I wouldn't know what anybody said on fucking Twitter. I really wouldn't. I have it for these for the purposes of the show. There's a Twitter for Born in Trouble, you know, and then it, there's my personal account, which I never really use anymore because Born in Trouble, I use that to find out my sports updates now. I just save the time and everything, and I go on there once a day, once a once a yeah once a day maybe if I and that's like being like generous, you know. You don't have to like be on Twitter. You empower them. I just- I literally just in this moment went back and looked at my Twitter profile. I've been on Twitter since 08 because I had to go in at one point at my job. They had created fake Twitter profiles for some of the, the personalities that I work with. And so I had to get a Twitter account so I could go in and find those fake accounts so I could report them to the, to the corporation that we all report to. And so we could get those squashed. But so since 2008, I have tweeted 17 times. Mm. And yet. I've managed to get a raise most years. I've managed to find some other projects and, and, and build some more wealth for myself. My daughter still went to college. Um, you know, I've dated some some pretty intelligent women. Like, seemingly, life has fucking gone on. You talk to them, too? You yeah. talk to them? 70? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm just, just wondering. Uh, like, life, life has gone on with just 17 tweets. Like, there's a chance that the rest of you might survive without it. Without it, Grant, do you don't you don't even have a Twitter, do you, Grant? Or did did you? Or so I have a got a burner City account. Wings, City, City Wings has an everything. City Wings has a Facebook, a Twitter, and Instagram. Um, I think we may have a Snapchat. I don't know, um, but my my cousins my cousins do that shit, man. I, I'm not. I'm just not fucking with uh, social media like that. Like, I mean, I, I have a Facebook. I have a uh, what do Instagram. I have? I have a Facebook. I have an Instagram, and that's it. Cause I, I mean, I just don't. I mean, I like, dude. I don't. I don't care. And you're okay. You know I mean, like, if if right, yeah. I, like, I don't. I don't give a fuck, man. Not about about most shit, right? Most things are inconsequential to me in my life. And this is not just me. Most things are inconsequential to everyone. Right? Mm. Like there's some things that affect certain people 
and they become big news stories. But it don't really affect you. So like like the Ukraine war, right? Mm. No effect on me. Right? Now, in a in a kind of global uh worldwide sense of affecting me, yeah, it does. Don't blow shit up. Human suffering? No. I never want to see human suffering. But at the same time, while that's going on, my life remains as it is. Mm. You know what I mean? Politics, 90, 99% of what's going on don't affect my life. The, and if I don't buy in, then I'm good. The human depravity doctrine states that eventually... These things are always going to come and knock on our door in one way, in one form or another. And without spirituality, well, without an act of God, there's no possible way to stop these things from happening. We're supposedly made well, in, okay. within the image of God. Is God a warmonger? He used to be, according to the books. He used to be a warmonger. Not so much now. But, I mean, let's keep in mind those books were written by men. Supposedly divinely inspired men. But then again, so was uh, uh, L. Ron Hubbard. Dianetics was, you know, that whole... He was divinely inspired. Right. That whole piece was divinely inspired, too. So, I mean, there's, you know, who's to say? And this, this is the same thing, same thing we talked about last week. It's all hearsay, bro. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I get it. When you don't Poor, so poor people are generally the most devout. Mm. Rich people, less so. Right? So when you don't have shit, you lean on religion. And not necessarily spirituality, but religion. Religion is a, a, is a construct. Spirituality is just kind of being at one with nature in my understanding of what spirituality actually is being at one with nature so man's you know man's inhumanity demand i'm not i'm not with that you know what i mean like spiritually i'm not with that but in religion if this motherfucker don't believe what i believe then i got the right to kill him Mm. so that's you know they're they're not the same they're not religion religion is a way of life religion is a code of conduct and if you're truly indoctrinated and you believe the, those who are living outside of those set of structures are on the wrong path and need to either be straightened out or eliminated. I had to laugh for a minute, though, because my man Sheldon Parker, all through high school, basically that was his his cop out answer. Any book, you know, any book review, whatever. Oh, it's about man's inhumanity to man. <laughs> Every book he ever read or really didn't read was oh, about man's inhumanity to man. <laughs> Big shell. <laughs> Big shout out. It's a good answer. It covers a lot of stuff. Because I mean, there's a lot of books where you can get away with that. Yeah, because there's a, there's always at least a chapter or at least a portion that that shows that basic human nature, that human depravity doctrine. That's always going to be a part of everything. Thing though, right? Like, you know, you said there's always that chapter, but yet all of the books that we read are sort of post this era. You know, the era's gotten worse. You know, I mean, starting like in the era of exploration, whatever, and then you begin to, to colonize era. 
But so almost everything we've read is po- is post that era. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we keep saying everything, but in the entire expanse of the world, this era that we're talking about is still the blink of an eye. And for millions of years, people didn't do these things. Like I heard somebody the other day, somebody was saying, you know, they were complaining about communi- the, the thought was that the, the, what they were saying is that, hey, look, every time somebody talks about wealth uh, redistribution, they're not talking about communism. Remember, the world existed for millions of years before Karl Marx sat down and came up with that fucking system. Mm-hmm. Right. So true. And so we keep sort of referring back to this thing as if it's everything when it is just the latest construct of man. Mm-hmm. Got to get you some applause for that one. Because it's so obviously true. We live, you live based in, upon your times, and they could just call it different things, you know. We and we don't know. We don't know when we were growing up as kids. When we had encyclopedias instead of um, internet connections, we believed that the pyramids were in one place in the world. We saw the pyramids in Egypt, and that was pretty much it. And now we see there there are pyramids in. Russia. There were pyramids in South America. There were pyramids in North America. Mexico. There are pyramids in Mexico. There are pyramids in the poles. All of these things. And then one thing that they figured out is that they're all they're all um it seem seemingly like um energy sort of like um nuclear power plants. A lot of them are they're power plants. You know, electricity runs through there. There's proof of, of nuclear activity in certain places of the world where they've dug up and they find like basically glass that can only be that can only be created at the temperature of a nuclear explosion. So who's to say that these things haven't happened before? That we haven't gone through these same cycles over and over and over again. And we're just at the end of another cycle. And once again, what ends up happening, I always find it interesting. I think that you're always safest in the place in the places where you have the least technology in that situation, because that's going to be the one place they're not actually looking the bomb. And this is where in the in the Bible where it says the meek shall inherit the earth. And if you put one and one together, but you know, back to those other things, but back to those other pieces and everything with Twitter, for example, you said something last week, Rob, like who would want to buy that fucking unsuccessful piece of un, un um, it's never made profitable piece of shit, it's never been profitable. Right. And the thing is, but what it, what it is, is that what makes it profitable are the people, the peons, the people that are actually on there fighting every day, it's the same thing. They're still chattel. You're still, your value is in your fucking bad opinions and how you spend your time. Well, the value is in the data that you provide them, the opinions, the data that they mine, you know, that they aggregate and then sell off to other people. That's where the value in Twitter is. But it's all fictional. Just like an NFT, you know, an NFT can be worth a million dollars if somebody said it's worth a million dollars. But if nobody thinks it's worth a million dollars, then it's worth nothing. Mm. If, if, if everybody decided tomorrow that Twitter wasn't worth shit and Twitter wasn't valuable, he just spent $44 billion on nothing. 
mm. on a pile of computer code. Like, it's all a shell game. Like, the moment we stop down. assigning the moment we stop assigning value to these things, they cease to be valuable. They do. They do. They're not inherently valuable. They have value only because we, had, we assign value to them. So, just like labels, when we assign a label to something, it becomes valuable or invaluable. So, I'm going to flip the script for a second. We actually ended up speaking about that for, damn, it's like almost, we're three quarters done with the show already. So, you know, it was like, that's a very hot topic. But, um, Louis Gomer, Louis Gomer, Louis Gomert, I don't know how to say his name. And normally... I would take the time to learn how to say his name, but I'm just going to say this. Fuck Louis Gomer. (laughs) The reason why I'm saying this is because this is a a white guy who has decided that um, he is defending Clarence Thomas and his path as a black conservative, stating that he's like consistently put up for digital lynchings. Digital lynchings for being a white conservative, a black conservative. I w- the, uh, maybe that was Freudian, maybe it wasn't. I don't know. I'm actually, I'm going to lean Freudian that time. But, you know, this is what this guy comes out and says. And another, someone else in the Congress like, said, look, I take offense to you using the term lynching. To him using the term lynching to describe this because and because like here we are talking about a digital lynching in an age where people are trying to bring back actual lynchings and lynchings of white people by white people in this country have never stopped in some areas and some regions. What do you feel about whenever a white guy comes out and says that you're lynching a black guy because he believes what I believe? I had a very interesting thought first because let me remember this because if I forget my joke because we all know that we're here for the jokes right <laughs> we're here for the humor somewhat yeah, absolutely okay <laughs> absolutely yeah. you're here and if you want you can edit out the space in between your call and our response oh okay <laughs> before you get more of an amen from the congregation hey. instead of a half hearted alright go uh, with it brother alright alright amen so you know Louis Germer, well, I forgot the joke, so just go ahead. <laughs> I forgot it. All, all I, when when I when I when I heard the statement, my 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 homegirl Micah, uh, her her famous statement is audacity is at an all time high. Mm. And Brett, come on, man, Louis Louis Gomert whatever the fuck your name is. Come on, man. And I mean, it's not, it's not, but see, I'm not, I'm not offended by it. It's just like, why, dude? You know what I mean? Like, why, why would you, why would you say that? Because he can. You know what I mean? Because he can. Right. Right. That's, that's the whole thing about, that's the whole thing about like them bringing Twitter back because it's not because of that. It's because, it's because he can. He has the opportunity to go out and say whatever white thing he wants to say. Well, in this time and moment, it's all about, it's all theater. It's all theater. It's the, so once again, the law of unintended consequences. So C-SPAN was a vehicle that was created to put more transparency on the process of American government. 
Mm. Right. But what C-SPAN actually became, became a theater. Mm-hmm. So you right. have guys standing on the floor, thundering away, you know. Right. And if they pull the camera back, you would see, like, a guy standing in an empty chamber talking to nobody. But he's making a speech for the camera for his constituents at home. Mm-hmm. And all Louis was doing was trying to stir up his base to make sure that the money keeps coming in. Because if you stir up the base, the money doesn't just come from, what is it, the 1st District, Texas, or the 5th District, Texas, wherever he's from. Money comes in from all over the country. Mm. You know, you get those right. crazy right-wing motherfuckers in Florida, you know, mm. and in Oklahoma to send checks in as well. Mm. And that's all that is. It's just stirring up the base, making sure that you are on message so you can get the money in. Because, you know, as, as we've seen far too many times, when the election is over, win, lose, or draw, these guys never lose. No, they you know, don't. Even if they even if they lose, they walk away with they walk away with a little consolation prize somehow. Do-do. You know, Do-do. their campaign Do-do. always leaves the American public holding the bag. That's what you're walking away with. Yeah, and that's, that's what it's all about. That, that, that's why he. That's why he's saying that crazy stuff because he knows he can get some checks behind that. He can go. You know, right now it's. You know, if you say that stuff, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of unhinged people on this planet. I saw a speech by Marjorie, whatever Green. Yeah. Oh my goodness! How anybody voted for that woman once, much less considering it again? Mm. Wow. Yeah. Like she's just all she's just all in. Like I like the one thing that I give her credit for is that she is she is playing a role and she is absolutely committed to that role. She getting paid. She gets Birkin bags and she gets to go shopping, and like she got all types of money. That is not an advanced level chick right there. That is not a that is not a like she's not a deep thinker whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? If you, it's like, that's that's when you're glad that she doesn't date brothers. Because it's like, if you had to sit. Puddle, you wouldn't even get the top of your feet wet, man. What was that? You may not be a Seriously. deep thinker. So, yeah. So if you stepped in that puddle, you wouldn't get the top of your feet wet. Nah. Like, there's no depth there. But Grant, you about to say, she may not be a deep thinker, but I, but she's committed, ain't she? No, she may be a deep thinker. Yeah, well, listen. You understand. There's always there's there's all different types of people that know how to get what they want. So it's like I'm not knocking her for getting what she wants. You know what I'm saying? I'm knocking everybody else for like actually buying into that. You know, but I, I'm not even knocking them because that's they are that's the human depravity doctrine. You have all these other great things that are around you in the state of where is she from? Florida, or Texas. She from Texas, Florida? Neither. I believe she's Georgia. Really? Oh man, another state. Fuck. You know, I can accept Florida and Texas most of the time. When you start bleeding into the rest of the country, that's when we have other problems. But wherever well, we she's got, We got problems. Yeah. Well, definitely. Even worse that but like, you know, I can accept that. But she ain't driving me crazy though. Like this is the like this is like there's like there are people at home that would like sit here and listen. They'd be like, yeah, she drives him crazy, so let's give him more money. You know, nah, I don't really give a fuck. 
I don't even know where, where a district is. If I accidentally end up in a district and everything, I'll just be driving through. You know? Well, just hope you don't get pulled over. Flying over. Oh, yeah, that's true. Right. Right. Because <laughs> you, know you know the police in that district are fully empowered to treat your black ass any way they feel. Oh, they'll check my social media. Hold on a second. We're going to be listening to a couple of your podcasts before we decide what we're going to do with you. In which case... I'm going down. I'm going down. See, I'll get good music at the same time with this show. I don't have the rights to. I don't have the rights to the actual music, so I got to sing everything. <laughs> you can't. Do, you can't. You don't have the mechanical reproduction rights. No, no man. No mechanical rights here, and everything. We're high volume. We got a lot of listens. We're high. We're high volume, but we're low budget, baby. Remember that. That's what that's what makes it creative. This is a true American come up story because America they have these this, these whole types of ideologies that says that you start with everything and then you empower everyone and you make them more money and everything. But the truth of the matter is that creativity comes from places like this. One man with the microphone with a library card. You feel me? This is where this is where creative where creativity comes out of the United States of America. I, I'm not the one to knock the poor people and everything. I just want y'all to educate yourselves better. You ever read The Outliers by Gladwell? No. He talks he talks somewhat about that those sort of concepts and the things that have to come together for creativity to take root. Like it's not enough just to have creative spirit. But you need some other things to happen alongside of that uh, for it to take root. A miracle, which brings us back to the human depravity doctrine, because that's what they say it takes in order for us to get past these things. It's a miracle. Divine intervention. A spiritual miracle. But that's very convenient, you know, for people who don't want to take responsibility for their actions to assign things to a divine intervention rather than, you know, putting themselves we are all created in the image of the divine. Mm-hmm. We're all reflections of the divine, depending on which doctrine you believe in. You know, we're all reflections of the divine. We're all creations of the divine. We are all the divine. Mm-hmm. Right? We are all God. Mm-hmm. And so, Absolutely. you know, if we are all God, then why do you need divine intervention for you to express your godlike self? Mm. But religion separates you. Puts a, puts a couple layers between you and the God in you because subju- they subjugate you to the authority of or to the word of and the divine of someone else. So, you know, whether it's the son of God, um, you know. And sometimes those layers are, sometimes those layers are candy and Tammy. And you're in the middle of a, and you're in the middle of a, of a love fest in your neighborhood because in the human depravity doctrine, you can do whatever it is that you feel like doing. The whole thought process is like there is no thing. There's no such thing as wrong. There's no shame. So you might as well get your freak flag on. Get it on. That's where Hillbilly started it with, man. Nothing says loving like sticking it in your cousin. Uh, see, that's a little bit. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a wow. deep one, Rob. That's... <laughs> That's deep one, Rob. That's what he said. Mm. 
I think we might have found our first edit. <laughs> and it's it's really good because we were fifty seven minutes. We're we're like we're like two minutes technically away from finishing up the show. And it's like, you know, we've got a wow. we've got an easy bake oven type of that was that was my that was worse than Candy and Tammy. You know, at least they wasn't cousins. Neighbors. <laughs> you know. Wow. Hey, so the doctrine allows you to do whatever it is that you feel like is is right. It allows you to um, invade Russia and Ukraine. It allows AOC and a bunch of right right wing um, congressmen to vote against taking the assets of Russian oligarchs, while everyone else says that it's okay. So it even makes strange bedfellows. Yeah, it Make, allows you to swim as a man against women. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's another one. That's another one. Loud. I mean, it allows you to let um, let Marines go while Brittany Griner can remains in jail in Russia, which is something that was still bothering me right now. But you know what, fellas? Though, damn, he had done two years. Like you know, yeah, he did, yeah. I guess he did more time. So. Hopefully they're treating her they're treating her okay, but hey fellas, we're done already. This show like oh, flew up, by. Up, up. I got a question for y'all. I, I was I was engaged in a discussion earlier today. Okay. And you know, I was told that I should ask my friends about this. So So as a general rule, right? And this is completely this is, you know, way off topic tonight, but this is the discussion I was in earlier. So if I'm out with a, if I'm going out on a date with a lady, whatever she puts on is what she puts on. Like I'm only cueing her in, like, hey, if we're going to we're going to Carnegie Hall, or whatever, and she's got on Daisy Dukes, and we're like, hey, this might not be the place for that. Right. Hey, this is a black tie affair. That's probably not right here. But otherwise, like I'm not really. You wear what you want to wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was sort of criticized for this. Like you ain't gonna tell me. Like you wear you wear what you like. Like why am I imposing? my thoughts about what you should wear upon you. Like, it's your life. You put on what you want. And, like, if I'm so offended by it, then we just won't date anymore. <laughs> like, like, if I don't like if I don't like how you do what you do, then maybe we shouldn't be dating. Right. But she was sort of offended by this concept that I wouldn't, that, you know, that I wouldn't share. Like, you know, you never, I gave up on you telling me whether my outfits are good or not because you're not, like, you put it on, it's good. Is that so wrong? Mm, well, I mean, it, it's it's it goes a couple of different ways there. If you start telling a woman what she should wear, now you're being misogynistic and you're being controlling to a certain extent. You know, so it's like it's a double-edged sword. If you're if you're out there, you're telling people like you know what to where to go. I mean, I used to go out. And sometimes, like, you know, my ex would dress, like, provocatively, and I'd be like, uh, you know what I'm saying? You with me tonight, but I know it's not going to be for very long. Not dressed like that. You know, so it is what it is. You have to, you kind of have to let a person be themselves, though, at the same That's time. Thought. You got to let her be yourself. Now, she, like you said, if she's wrong, I mean, I doubt very much that anybody that you're going to date is going to wear D- Daisy Dukes to Broadway, for example. 
it's common it's common sense for the most part and if yeah, you're that, and if that, you're if she's wearing that you're wasting your you're wasting your tickets you might as well just take her someplace else you know you're that, you just might as well stay home and fuck like, right go to the bar right. go down the block like why, why, why we gotta go anywhere like that's right. I, I get i get what your end game is so why not eliminate the middle man <laughs> right pop it yeah, right now netflix and chill right exactly netflix and chill heavy on the chill you know you said that women don't realize sometimes women don't realize that they set themselves up for the type of interactions that they want it's very good to you know it's very good to get likes on instagram and look very sexy and all that other stuff but you can't be surprised when a man like just decides that he just wants to hit it you know because if, if, if you present yourself as a sexual creature 95 percent of the time you know you can't be surprised if 95 percent of the attention you get is sexual in nature yeah i i was I, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy facts I was kind of thinking about that earlier today, and everything in some in a, like a, in a different type of context, in regards to like uh, women and like what it must be like to be dating nowadays, with a lot of like you know with a lot of these ideas and these concepts and everything, and um, I wouldn't last very long. You know, for most people, I'd be dating, but I was always cool with that. I was always dating around. I always had, like, one or two, like, you know, friends at the same time simultaneously. That was my thing. I kept a rotation. Much like you, Mr. Brooks. That's where I learned it from. (laughs) (laughs) It's a poor rat with only one hole. That's it. That's my mama said, right? Yeah. How about that? A Mrs. Exum reference. It'd be a poor rabbit that have only one hole. Like a surprise, they say, your mama sold you that? Like, yep. Don't be stupid. (laughs) Don't be stupid. She's a wise woman. Yeah, but it's like, because there's a difference. I mean, listen, no, no really. I I know, like, you know, I, I see a lot of these things, a lot of these transitional relationships and transactional relationships that are based upon money. And if that's what you're into and everything. But we're we're sitting up here talking about the human depravity doctrine. And if you think that dating for dating people based upon what they have financially isn't a part of that, then you're missing the entire point. You know, you're never going to I've I've never like been in a relationship, a long term relationship with someone that I didn't talk to and didn't have something going on up top at a certain point. You can't last. The booty will get you there and everything. I guess the pregnancy can keep you. But if it's not the pregnancy, you know, if you're not willing to go that far, you better develop other aspects of your personality. But, you know, you take it all the way back to you know, at the beginning of this construct of society in which individuals have things that are solely theirs, then you have to get somebody to help you build and keep what's yours. Mm. If you're just a village of people who are protecting this land and living off of it and surviving together, you don't really need to pair up mm-hmm. to um, keep your thing together. You just all, you're all in a collective and you sure. do what you do. But then the moment, oh, that's my house. I need to keep that. Well, now I need somebody to help me keep that. You know, marriages came along. Why? You know, oh, shit, her dad's got eight pigs. I marry her, I can get eight pigs. And, you know, I'll give him my eight pigs and he'll take care of my daughter from now on. Mm -hmm. And then I can go on and take care of the rest of my kids. 
Bacon for days. Bacon. He just sold the whole South on you. Right. The whole South just let this went, yeah, bacon. Free bacon. And, and you know, let's make sure that, you know, we talk about Pananila as well. That way, you know, we can get the South American. And oh, man, and Pananila. Arriba. So, <laughs> on that note. <laughs> I often wonder, if I, was, if I was reduced to a last meal, <laughs> would I eat Pernil? Would I eat, like, chicharrones? Well, would I, would I have my last meal, would it be a vegan meal? Well, I mean, if, if we broke this down, I mean, it is a tasty meat. It's a, and the whole reason is that it's unclean and it's going to make you sick. But if it's your last meal, you kind of have an idea that you may go out anyway. So worm food anyway in a couple of days. So why not right. just go go whole hog? Know what I could know where I would go if I were say if I were in death row, I'd probably like you know what was that place that we went to that steakhouse the Argentinian steakhouse? Oh, right was, over there in uh in CI. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, the Brazilian place. Yeah, the Argentinian I'd, place. Yeah, yeah, I'd get that tango. I'd get that plate. Tango, yeah. I'd get that meat plate that they had with the ribs and the steaks and all that other stuff and everything. I'll take that one and I'll go out with a bellyache. That's what I would do personally. You know, that's just me. So now we've completely, like, you know, and totally, like, handled the entire depravity doctrine. And if you're going to go out, we go out with unclean food, too. (laughs) We go out to pray. Completely depraved, you well, know. I'm still under, I'm still on the fence. I may or may not. I may eat some some chicharrones, but I might have a vegan meal. We're still undecided. Well, Rob, you know, you made a good you made a good argument for candy, sandy, and brandy, because like you know, if we're as a community, if we're sharing things, then with the, if we're just protecting the things within our hut, then we might as well protect them collectively. So you know, you've made a case for that. So right now, and if Grant would just go, uh huh. Jada might even go along with you. She's feeling you a little bit more because, you know, mm. that's something. I don't no? want Jada. You don't want Jada? I don't want Jada no more. No. Sorry, Jada. Mm. You, you, you know, there, there's, there is the belief, and I'm one of those people who ascribes to this, that, you know, whomever you insert your member into, you carry some of their energy. You take away some of their energy and carry it with you. I'm, I'm not proponent. sure if I'd want to take that load on. I'm a proponent. I'm a proponent of that. Sure I'm feeling carry that. that energy with me. A lot of people don't understand that, though. They just think that automatically. See, what you're you're thinking about a high level thinking and conditioning, and this is like kind of like I know that each one of you brothers feel that way, you know. And I know even Gene, who's not here this week, he feels that way too. You know, it's like I we've lived our lives in the, with the whole concept of not all is good, you know. So it's like. I've left people like standing there, like you know, like what you don't want no nah. I heard enough. You know what I'm saying? You look yummy, yummy, and I'm sure somebody's gonna eat you up. It just is not going to be me. And on that note, born in trouble. Fruit salad, yummy, yummy. <laughs> Fruit salad, yummy, yummy. From Detroit, from Detroit, Michigan. Home of City Wings. 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. Come down and get you some, baby. Even if you're Amish. Mr. Grant Lancaster. Especially if you're Amish. Especially if you're Amish. It's your chicken. It's your chicken, girl. It's your chicken. 
You may not have fried it, but it's your chicken. And from New Jersey, on his way up to New York, New York. Oh, I should have made that announcement because now the lady's going to be hunting you down, Mr. Robert Brooks. Hey, New Jersey, where it is now legal to buy weed. Yes, cannabis. Oh, same word. Cannabis. Yeah, the first day of sales, they sold one. There were 12 stores in New Jersey on uh, last Thursday. They opened up for business. And those 12 stores did $1.95 million in sales. Wow. 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 Of the week shit. As, week. as as, as uh, Gene would say, it is the, the it is the weak shit. They ain't got that. They not getting the stuff that I'm getting. I'm telling you that now from either what, place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play a little. Uh, I'm gonna do a little roulette today. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm heading my way up to to the city, but uh, you know, I'm gonna try to time my gummy so that it hits right around the time that I got to check in. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> I, don't wanna, I, don't want to, I don't want it to hit after I check in. Like, I want it to hit just before I check in so mm. I can have that, that, full exp- that full interaction at the, at the counter. There you go. There it's you go. a little glow going. And, you know, you're here for a couple of days. I don't know if you're going to be here Sunday. I know I'm going to be in Brooklyn on Sunday. I got to do some things at my house, so maybe we'll hook up or something. Well, well Sunday we play a night game. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I, I, I've left two tickets for a friend that we know, an ex-girlfriend of a of a buddy of mine. Uh-huh. But so I still got two more that I can leave if you you know wanted to jump in or. That's what's up. I might just do that because I do have to go out. I've got to get this house sold, so that way someday I can afford to eat again. And I'm going brunch at the Urban Vegan Kitchen at 11:30 on Sunday morning. If you want to join us. Oh, okay. Well, I'm actually, I'm supposed to, where's that in uh, Queens or Brooklyn? That's, that's that place. We've eaten there before. Okay. We had some tacos there that you really liked. Oh, was that the place in Manhattan downtown? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. West yeah. Village. Yeah. We got it. Urban V? Urban Vegan Kitchen. Yeah. We got to We got to get you, we got to get you some, uh, some more like spotlights with your, with your vegan thing because like. It's a, it's a very eclectic joint. Like they got pictures of like. A panda bear with machine guns on the wall. They also got a picture of um, Max Roach on the wall. Uh, Marlon Brando, Chewbacca. Nice. Love know, that spot. Know, like the Wu Tang Clan. I didn't know it wasn't me until I threw it up later after we were drinking. No, that was the other spot we threw up. <laughs> oh, that was the other spot. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're laughing, Grant, but we go, he and I go out to dinner and, you know, he eats this chicken parm, whatever. So now we're late, we're, this night carried on for a while. So now we meet some folks and we're talking. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, we were over at such and such spot. Oh, oh, really? What'd you have? Oh, Yo, man, that wasn't chicken. What do you mean that wasn't chicken? <laughs> now all of a sudden he's got a problem with it. Now all of a sudden he's getting sick. Nah, <laughs> man, my stomach was. He was, sitting, he, was sitting there when he, he was sitting there when he ate it and crushing it. Nah, that wasn't what oh, it was. Yeah. That wasn't what yeah. did it. What did it was the tequila, bro. It was the tequila. Oh. We were We were drinking. And this was like this was one of the last times that we went out and we've been drinking like me and you. That's why I think like that was the, that was the last time that we went out hard. And we used to do that. That used to be Friday and Saturday night for us. But that was yeah. like that was that night where you realize it's like oh I'm forty something now and I can't just like I just right. don't have that cast iron anymore where I cannot be drinking because I don't drink. I really don't drink. I used to only drink when Rob came to town. And then we would just get stupid with it. And we just got really stupid with it. We were doing karaoke. 
you know, met different yeah. people. We were just like, we were just having fun. We were having a just ball. Letting it flow. Just letting it go, man. We had, you know, this is like, we like to have fun. You know, we do like to have fun. That's what we do. So yeah, and and it's better than me setting my alarm. Like I was at least I was like X had to ride bet the Long Island Railroad back out to to Brentwood. Mm-hmm. I was staying in Manhattan, but there have been a couple times we've gone out where I've had to jet back, mm-hmm. and so I'm like in Penn Station setting an alarm next to my ear because I know I'm gonna pass out. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know oh man, it, it's it's over, bro. I bro, I woke up in CI. You know what I'm saying? So I missed my stop. You know, I missed my stop and had to, you know, cab it back or whatever because it's like you're not going to. I wasn't going to wait for a train at that time of night. You just pay the extra money and just go home and roll into bed. So it's like, but this is what we do, man. We're human. We're born in trouble. We've always been in trouble. I can plan on making more trouble again. Before it's all over with. (laughs) Fellas, eighth episode. Peace. (laughs) Out. Out. 5,000 G.